Blog All right, Talk we're Radio. Let's stand together and turn to number 75 tonight. Number 75, we're going to start off singing in the sweet by and by. There's a land that is better than day, and by faith we can see it far. For the Father went over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. And the sweet by and by, we shall meet all that beautiful shore. We shall clean on that beautiful shore. The Lord is comes up with bless, and the Spirit shall come no more. God has died for the blessing of rest. In the sweet we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the
Yeah, but let's keep lifting him up in prayer and asking God to meet his needs. Uh, Miss Nell, how's she doing today? Okay. Okay. All right. How about Dan? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're praying for you, brother. We're praying for you to get 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 everything back like it ought to be. Yes. 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 So she's she's hobbling around. Said it's swole up and said. So let's remember Charlotte in prayer. Ask God to help her. Uh, you know, she she ain't got nobody helping her around. She by herself, so Miss Joanne, how you feeling this evening? Well, <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad you're doing as well as you are. Anybody else other prayer requests? Diane. Okay. Well, praise God for that. Any little bit you can get, that we'll, we'll take it. Okay. Anybody else other prayer requests? Okay. All right. All right. Anything else? All right. Well, let's be, be. I want you to be in prayer for that revival meeting. Praying for me as I get ready for, to go down there. Uh, pray for Brother Lucas as he's going to be here on that Sunday preaching for me. Pray that God will give him something good for you. And uh, let's just let's just pray for let's just pray for God to Lord just come quickly because I tell you this world's going it's going down in a hurry. We need, we need the Lord come on back take us out of here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Let's ask him to meet with us, and, and let's go to him in prayer right now. Robert, let us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Number 70, 7070, Unclouded Day.
because I came and settled, and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. When the old account was settled long ago, Oh, sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sins, thus he hath commanded, if you would enter in, and think you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it, you settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today. When the old account was settled long ago. Praise God. That's one decision I've never regretted. Amen. I've regretted a lot of them over the years, but that's one I never regretted. Never, I don't never run across anybody in all my years knowing Jesus. Of anybody who said, "Man, that's the worst decision I ever made." Just Jesus. Not a soul. Amen. He, the fruit's in the pudding, amen. He, when he redeems you, it's forever. 84, and it never gets, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. 84, we're going to sing another one kind of like that one. I'll meet you in the morning. Oh, well, I, I will too. I'll try not as well. <laughs> another, yeah. Okay. That's all right. Is it in this one? Yes, two fifteen. Okay. Okay. Should be the same song, you know. <laughs> Maybe. We don't sing the words in this one whether it's happening or not. Okay. Okay, we'll we'll grind you out. I will meet you in the morning by the bright river side when all sorrow has drifted away. I'll be standing at the portal when the gates open wide. At the close of life's long dreary day, I'll meet you in the morning, meet you in the morning with a hand of you do. Then we'll sit down by the river and with rapture old acquaintance. Oh, my God. 
You're my God, and I need you. I need you to touch me tonight. Touch my lips. Speak through me tonight. Lord, help me to communicate these truths to your people. Lord God, we pray for the ones that are here, ones who drove up here to meet together. Lord, we, we pray for the ones who, who are watching it later on, whatever means they're watching it. Lord, we ask you to bless them too. Father, we pray, Lord, for, Lord, for the folks who do watch us online, Lord, to uh, be curious to come and be with us and join with us in our service and enjoy the fellowship of your people. Lord God, we ask you, please, speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, be with those that are sick. We've mentioned already, but Lord God, we ask you to touch them in a special way. Lord, meet with us tonight as we come to the Word of God. Give us wisdom from the wisdom book of Proverbs tonight. We'll give you praise and glory for it all, because it's all in the name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen. All right. Proverbs 18, verse 19, where we're going to begin. It says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. I sit there thinking about brothers, because I got a brother. I love my brother. My brother loves me. We get along great. And not always been the case, though. I remember once, once upon a time when we were kids, uh, he, he took my guitar amp, and he kept it for six months and didn't give it back to me, and we had a problem. And uh, and I remember we got a little raw with one another over that. We never got in a fist fight. My daddy always told me, if you ever get in a fist fight with your brother, you're going to have to fight me too, because y'all ain't meant to fight one another. You're supposed to stand up for one another and love one another. And I tell you, my daddy said a lot of things that wasn't necessarily good advice, but that was one good piece of advice. That brothers ought to stick together and they ought not fight and turn on one another. Because, again, we see here in this verse, it tells us that a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. You know, it's kind of like, you see this happen, especially when people divorce. People who once loved one another passionately, they divorce and they hate one another passionately. It's like, you know, the one fills the gap of the other. You know, where there's a lot of love, there's a lot of resentment. And I think that goes the same thing in a family, too, where you've grown up loving in, in a loving environment and being able to count on one another. And then when that other one just turns their back, stabs the one in the back, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to uh, rationalize that in your head, why that takes place. But there's a price to pay for offending a brother. Uh, and to win that brother back into friendship and fellowship, it's difficult. And it's it's more often it's more than we often think. So so we need to avoid offending our brother unless it's absolutely necessary. And I guess the only reason it'd be necessary is in order to save their life. You might want to have to get in their business and tell them tell them off to, to get their attention. Uh, you know you know I've had to do that and I, and that ain't that ain't fun. But uh, sometimes you have to do that in life. Uh, but but when you only do it when it's absolutely necessary. And, and, and we need to do all we can to be blameless in those actions. So whatever offense that's taken is because of them taking offense and not because of something we did, just because they didn't like the way we said it or whatever. But it ought not be us injuring them. We ought to be careful if we ever do. Like I said, we ever have to straighten them out with the words. Make sure no hostility from us in it. It's just it's because I love you and I want you to be okay. Uh, but when brothers fall out, it can be extremely difficult to reconcile brothers. <clears throat> and, and again, the strongest and longest grudges happen between brothers 
when they have a major dispute. I know I, I've, I've got people, not in my side of the family, but in my wife's side of the family, a uh, situation where brothers got crossways and they never did speak for the rest of their lives. And uh, you know, that's a sad thing. But, but again, that happens. That does happen sometimes. Uh, you know, they get in a major gripe and it's like, I'll never talk to you again the rest of my life. And, and they mean it. And uh, it's as if the closer the relationship, like I said, the wider the gap when there's a problem. And uh, and that thread, once it gets snapped, it's not really easy to put back together. In, in the second half of that verse, interesting, it says contentions are like the bars of a castle. Contentions, arguments and fights and disputes and whatnot. And the contention, uh, the conflict and contentions that come from offending a brother, it can be as difficult to break as it's like bars of a castle when you when you get a when you get a, a, a terrible dispute going on. And uh, and the thing of it is, it says it's like bars of a castle, but maybe it's two brothers fighting with each other, but there's other people who get caught up in their prisons in it that didn't even mean so. Uh, you take cousins if you got two brothers fighting. You got cousins, and, and and not just cousins, but grandparents too, and, and parents who pay the price of a divided family as a result of two brothers or two sisters fighting and won't get along. So you can't get your whole family together because you got disputes between brothers. And it, and it and and believe me, I've, I've I've been I've been around that. I know what that's like, and that's not that's not fun. It, it, it's sad and it's it's tough when those things happen. Uh, but, you know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So our battle is not supposed to be with each other, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the devils or demons or whatever you want to call them that, that, that operate under Satan, fallen angels who seek to make our life a nightmare, seek to, to throw uh, monkey lynches in You know, again, but we need to remember that, that we don't, again, the Bible's given us a truth, which is absolutely true, that brothers can get crossways and it causes a terrible rift, but God tells us over here in Ephesians that we're not supposed to do that. Even though those things happen, the Bible does clearly tell us those things happen, it, it also tells us that we shouldn't have that happen because we're not supposed to wrestle against flesh and blood. That battle is not, we need to recognize who's fighting us. We need to recognize who we're up against. We only have one enemy in this life, and his name is Satan. He's our enemy. Again, we're not, our battle's not against one another. We, and, you know, you know we, we ought to be careful that we, that we don't, that we don't take things so personal when people do things. We need to remember, the devil uses people. The devil will do anything he can to get you off track. He'll do anything he can to get your eyes off Jesus. He'll do anything he can to get a root of bitterness started in you, growing in you, because the root of bitterness turns fruit. And if he can ever get one growth, if he can ever get one to start sprouting, well, he's got something there. Be careful and guard your heart that you don't let that root of bitterness don't ever spring up in you. Because, listen, you know, it's hard, it's hard, like I said, it's hard to reconcile with family when you get a rift in the family. So work hard to never let that rift begin to begin with. Be quick to be a peacemaker and try to make things better. Be quick to be quick to forgive. Be quick to settle things. Don't be one who, who drags it out. Don't be the one who's, who, who won't forgive. Don't be the one who won't let things go. Let that be on the other 
be on you. Amen. And, you know, again, you, it's kind of hard to go to God and say, God, i got a problem here when you won't forgive and you won't let go. You've got to be the one to let go and, and leave that on them. And, God, you convict them and break their hearts and pour the coals to them in prayer. All right, verse 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. You read that and you go, what did that just say? <laughs> If I read it real fast, a man's belly should be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. What fruit of my mouth? Well, I know what it means, but it sounds funny. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. It just—it simply means that, that, that some people, they make a living by what they say. They make a living by the things that they say. I mean, in, in my case, that's my, that's my, my position. You know, this church, this church takes care of me as I preach to and so I, I'm being taken care of for the things that I say. So, again, I'm being satisfied. My belly is satisfied by the fruit of my mouth. You know, uh, you know. I, I, there's a lot of people like that, make a living by what they say. Uh, you know, they satisfy their stomach, and they satisfy their family's stomach by the fruit of their mouth. A pastor does that. Evangelist does that. Salespeople do that. Uh, reporters do that. Lawyers do that. Politicians do that. All these people, there's more than that. But they, I mean, the motivational speakers, they all kind of people you could say do that who make who make a make their income by what they say. And so, and it says, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. So, with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. So, what he says is going to fill his stomach and pay his bills. That's as simple as that. That's all that's saying. And it, and it, so, if that's the case, if it's if you're if you're making your living by what you say, it's extremely important for such a person as that to be honest and fair in all their dealings. If, if you know, again, if if, if my, my source of income was as a general contractor building houses, and if I cut if I cut corners and did things, took shortcuts and, and made somebody a, a, a cheaply put together house look good, you drive up, you can tell as anybody else's, but I knew good well it wasn't quality. You know, that that wouldn't fly. And and therefore, a man who makes his living the same way with the things he says need to be very careful by the things that he says. Uh, you know, again, it's, it's it's important that we be honest with everybody. Galatians 6, 7, and 8, I know you know this, but remember what it says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Whatever a person dishes out, whether it's truth or whether it's whether it's lies, whether it's beneficial or whether it's harmful, you're going to get the results thereof. You know, if I plant watermelons, I'm going to get watermelons. If I plant eggplant, I'm going to get eggplant. I hate eggplant. I'd, I'd be, I, you might as well plant thorns or poison ivy in my yard is plant eggplant. Uh, there's nothing more horrendous in this life that I know of than a purple eggplant. So I'm going to eat that. Oh, my goodness. It just looked like something wrong. The more black seeds, and it just don't look right. It looks like, I don't know. It just looks like, you know, I think about what, that verse about there's death in the pot, and I see eggplant, that's what I think of, death in the pot. Uh, you know, it's something that kill you. It just don't look like it's something you ought to be eating. And I'm, I'm sure it's great. People make lasagna out of it, but I don't want none of it. But uh, anyway, again, I want the right, I want something good, amen? And, uh, and, and God wants something good out of us, too, amen? So... We're going to eat the results of whatever comes out of our mouth, so let's make sure what we're speaking is something that, that's beneficial.
Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. There's another verse about eating the fruit of it. <clears throat> Death and life are in the power of the tongue. This is a very important verse, not one we ever need to skim over. We need to remember these things. I've said this many, many times. You know, you can't call words and bullets back. Once they're fired off, they're going to cause the damage they cause. Uh, you know, and so we need to be careful what comes out of our mouth. Because literally God, God is saying that we either speak death words into people's ears or we speak life words. I, I saw this experiment. I can't tell you if I believe it or not. But these people, that, I want to say they took, they took rice that had been cooked, and they put it in these jars, and they put love on one of them, they put hate on the other one. And they had these kids in the school. Every morning they would have these kids come in, and they would speak nice words to the jar that said love on them. They would say complimentary things to this jar that had the, the word love wrote on it. And then they would go to the jar that had hate on it. They would say they would say mean things. They would say nasty things to the jar that had hate on it. Within 30 days, there was a dramatic difference between the two jars. They said the one jar that had hate on it, it turned moldy and, and rancid and and, and fermenting, and, and it was just, I mean it was looking terrible. The other one had not changed. Now, I don't know, but I can tell you this. There might be something to that. I know people speak to their plants and <laughs> they talk to their plants. I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, but I can tell you this. There's something, I, I can tell you that when you're encouraged, it does something to you. Have any of y'all in here ever had a terrible boss where you just hated to go to work? Huh? I mean, every, time, every day you knew he was going to say something to you that was just going to just pop your balloon is going to make you just feel flat what was over with. All right, have you ever had one who, who did nothing to compliment you and, and build you up? I did. I, I did. I, I used to have one. His name was Otis Martin. He ran the Double O Boot Corral in Sulphur Springs, Texas. He, he, uh, he everyth everything you did, if he saw you do it, he said, hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. He, he, every day before you leave, he'd say, I appreciate you, man. Carry on. You know, he was encouraging and he didn't have to be that way. Uh, he didn't have to do those things at all. But he always did that. And he, he, had, had, a, he had had the easiest life of all. He'd, he'd been through a lot of ups and downs and, and, and been to prison and out and everything else. I mean, he, he'd had a rough go of it in life. And he caused most of it he caused himself. But I think he learned some things in there to help people up rather than beat people down. And I, and I, and I appreciate that. And, you know, that's been, that's been well over, I mean, that was in 1993 when I worked for that man. But I ain't never, I ain't never forgot that. That's how much it meant to me for him to encourage me every day that I worked for him. It made me, it made me want to get up and go to work. It made me want to be there and help him because he made me feel like I mattered. And again, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to make sure when we're speaking words into our children's ears, into our grandchildren's ears, and into 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 especially small ears, we need to make sure that we're not speaking death words. We need to make sure we're not discouraging them and depressing the little ones around us. I mean, this is a hard enough word to li world to live in as an animal. You kind of grow up in it right now as a child. Imagine facing all the things that they're facing today that you and I never had to face, the challenges that they're dealing with today. We need to make sure that we're not speaking death words in their ears. We're speaking words of life, words of encouragement. 
into their ears. You know, <clears throat> the, the, the the previous proverb that we just got there reading talked about how man how man speaks could provide for his stomach or his belly. But the idea in this one is extended to remind us that the tongue not only has the power to provide, but it also, again, it has the power of death and has the power of life. I think about James 3, 6 through 9. I know you all know what this says, but it says, and the tongue is a fire. You think about a blowtorch, or, or not a blowtorch, but a flame bulb. I think about that direct energy weapon business that we've been seeing in the news lately, where they just blast and beam the light from the Again, when you get a fire going, you don't know if you can stop it or not. Right now, right now in, in Red River County, I know there's a burn ban on. I'm sure there's one in Lamar County as well. I think it's Bogota when I came through there uh, earlier yesterday. There's a burn ban on. Why? Because you light a fire, you can't you can't control it. You don't know how far it's going to go. You don't know what it's going to burn up. I mean, listen, I, I burn up some pretty good patches in my day with fireworks. I know. Boy, you get something going. You hope you can get it out before the barn burns down or the house burns down. But, uh, you know, again, but God says that's the way iniquity is, too. You, you say something horribly awful to somebody else, you don't know what it's going to do and how much damage it's going to create in somebody's life. The Bible says the tongue is like that among our members. It's like a fire. It defileth the whole body. I, if, you, if you've ever lived through a house fire, you go back in there and try to find anything that's left that thing, but everything's covered, it's all melted, and it's all stained. And, and you don't want anything out of there. And if you find something, you, you don't want to display it anymore because it's all disfigured and all, all deformed or got soaked in the water when they put the fire out. Again, sin defile it just the same way that the fire does. I mean, it ruins things. It set it on fire. The course of nature is set on fire of hell. The Bible says every kind of beast, bird, serpents, things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed to mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I mean, God's pretty specific there, isn't he? You don't want to handle that blood on And yet it's sitting on your mouth. Poison, uh, the tongue can no man tame. There we, he, said, he says about it, he says, there we, we, with our tongue, we bless God. We say, oh, I thank the Lord. He's so good to me. Praise the Lord Jesus. He's been so good. He saved my soul. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus into the world. And there we, we curse me. And we do that. Get out of church somebody say, God, I don't know if you do or not. I hope you don't. But people are subject to do things like this. God wouldn't put it in his word if it wasn't possible. If it hadn't happened before, I don't think God would have put it in the book. But somebody somewhere got out of church and snapped somebody's head off. Some people get out of church and get in the car and tear their kids' head off. Some people get in the car and tear their wife's head off. Some people get in the car and their wife tears their husband's head off. I ain't talking about here. I'm just saying wherever. I ain't watching y'all. But uh, <laughs> but the Bible says we we got to be careful. Amen. He says, we bless God and we curse men with it, which are made after the similitude of God. Proverbs 10, 20 and 21. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. So it's worth something. The tongue of the just, just is very valuable. Why? Because the tongue of the just is speaking good things. they got life words, encouraging words, words that lift people up, words that build people up. But the heart of the wicked is little worth. He said, you take a pile of silver, you take a pile of garbage, and look at the two. That's the comparison. 
The lips of the righteous please many. There's fruit that comes, and not necessarily real fruit, but, but there's blessing. There's good things that come from the things that righteous people speak. And, and, and verse, verses that fools die for word of wisdom, because a fool ain't got anything to do anybody. The mouth of the just bringing forth wisdom to give people something. It's kind of like, you heard that expression, uh, give a man a fish, he eats for the day, teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Well, you give some man some wisdom, and he ain't dumb no more. You give a man some wisdom, you let his back, it's nice to see where to go. I mean, that, that's what we're supposed to be doing as we go through this life. Is lighting, lighting a candle in somebody else's darkness and showing them the way of God. He said, but the forward tongue shall be cut out. The forward tongue's a perverse tongue. Those are death words. Again, in this same tongue, in our mouth, sometimes it praises God, sometimes it curses men. And God said that kind of stuff shouldn't be. Solomon's used different words to say the same thing. Sometimes he talks about the mouth, sometimes the lips, sometimes the tongue. But he does so to show us that all parts of the mouth are all parts of it are guilty. And he says, they that love it, death words and life words we're talking about, shall eat the fruit thereof. And a student, a student who's disciplined in his study and a careful listener who will take the things that he's heard and apply them, that person will find themselves reaping the reward of applying the knowledge that they heard. Again, you take you take knowledge. Say, boy, I learned a lot of things today, but I didn't do anything with them. They ain't gonna do you no good. If you don't apply the things you get, what good? Have you, what have you accomplished? Right? I mean, again, if you go to if you go down to if I go down to between I go over here by by Rivercrest High School to Kelly Produce, which is a real good produce stand, by the way. If I go over there and I buy a bunch of fruits and vegetables, take them home, they're right in the crisper drawer. What good did it serve me? None. I lost some money. That's all I did. Spent some money on, on something I didn't use. The Bible says that, that they that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. Amen. Uh, so, again, if we're going to get knowledge, we've got to apply that knowledge. It doesn't do us any good just to have it. Again, and the student of God's Word, who by studying and, and, and listening to the preaching of God's Word, applies the wisdom that's given to the preacher by the Holy Ghost, they're going to see the, the power and the fruit of God's word in their life. If you take what you're given and you put it to use, you'll say, hey, that works just like gas in a gas tank. There's power in that. It, 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 he's helped me down the road. God will give you grace to the things you need to do in life if you'll listen to what he says apply it to what you're doing in life. Verse 22, or apply your way to his way, amen? You change your way to his way. Verse 22, whoso, this is a good one right here. We've been doing wedding here in a couple of days. Uh, not a couple of days, but two weeks. But anyway, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. <clears throat> whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. God calls a wife a good thing. You know, God brought together the first pair, Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 through 25. And he said, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She, is called, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall 
cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And in, in, in doing this, God gave marriage between a man and a woman as a gift to humanity. Both as a whole, so that the race is perpetrated, so that we continue having children, as a blessing on the individual level. You know, we never need to ever forget that God. When he got, when God took, when God took, and I know you've heard this before, but when God took and made a woman, He didn't take the jawbone, so she would constantly be nagging the man. And he didn't take the heel bone, so she could step on him. He took the rib bone that was closest to his heart to make the woman. And while the wife, while the wife might not be the strongest one in the relationship physically, she certainly has a great, strong value to her husband. I mean, I think about all the things that she does. She 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 assists him. In functioning in society, she she's a helper. She she's she's the other part of him. She she gives him a different perspective on the world than he would have otherwise. I mean, y'all know these things. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You deal in facts and and and, and logistics and and, and and real things that we can put our hands on and touch and, and feel and see. And women, I know it's it's all about how you feel. And it's about what you think as far as coming off of what you feel, and 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 and, and that's the heart part of it. Man's got the man's got the head, and the woman's got the heart, and together they make a, a whole person. And and again, even though she may not be the strongest, but she has a great value. And together they shoulder the cares and the trials of this life. Again, she's she's the helper. She's the help meet. She's a part of the man. It's always a lot lighter when you got somebody helping you carry the load than when you're trying to do it all yourself. And she's there to love her husband and share in a physical relationship that prevents both of them from being tempted and sinning against God. She has a lot of roles in the marriage. But praise God, God you know, God God's God's incredible in the way he designed everything. It's a, you know, and we, we we keep trying to redesign it and that's why it don't work. We keep trying to redesign what God created. So well we like the model but we just don't care for how he operates it. We gotta do it a different way. Well it don't work when you do it differently. God made it one way, you know. I mean, listen, you buy the prettiest car in the world and say, well, I like, I'm going to run mine on water. Well, that won't work. You can try it. So I'm going to put Gatorade in mine. I like running on things on Gatorade. Well, it won't work with it. you got to do it God's way. You got, Or you got to do it Henry Ford's way. Whoever made that, whoever come up with it. I don't want to go with the gasoline engine. But anyway, whoever come up with it, you got to do it their way. You can't do it however you want to, praise God. And, and again, people, people who just listen to what God says, You'll have more success. Adam Clark, he said, marriage with all its troubles and embarrassments. <laughs> and boy, don't he got some. Amen. With all his troubles and embarrassments is a blessing from God. And there are a few cases where a wife of any sort is not better than none. 
As to good wives and bad wives, they are relatively so in general, and most of them that have been bad afterwards have been good at the first. And we well know the best things may deteriorate, and the world generally allows that where there are matrimonial contentions, there are faults on both sides. Ain't that the truth? It ain't never one person's fault. There's faults always on both sides because we're flawed. Both of us flawed coming into it, and it takes a lot of grace. It takes the Lord. You can't, you know, if you're going to love somebody with all their faults and flaws, it takes the Lord. You can't do it without it. Uh, otherwise, you'll, you'll learn to resent that person. And the Bible says, man, when he finds a wife, he obtains favor of the Lord. <clears throat> Genesis 2, 18. <clears throat> God said it's not good for man to be alone. I've I met some men who thought it was. <laughs> and maybe it was for them. But but God said it's not good for man to be alone. You know, and, and, and you know, because when a man's alone, he, he doesn't depend on anybody but himself. And that's not a good way to be. When you get to where you don't depend on nobody but yourself, you forget how much you need to depend on others and need to depend on God. You can forget that if you're always counting on yourself all the time. So it's good to have to depend on others. It's good to learn that back and forth. It's good to have to live in that kind of an environment. And, you know, and God and God giving Adam Eve, that's a demonstration of God's favor. And, and God still gives that gift of favor. And Satan has done his level best to try and destroy God's God's gift. He's tried to destroy the family. I mean, between no-fault divorces, which, I mean, you can't do a thing about. They decide to divorce you. Well, that's just too bad. You're just going to have to take it. Ain't, ain't a thing you can do. Between that and feminism and the welfare state trying to keep dads out of the home and the corruption of morals in America, well, marriage has become a scarce thing. Marriage has become frowned upon. In this modern Western society we live in, when you got when you got you got men who first of all are are, are are beaten down for being men in this world we live in. You told you're toxic if you're a masculine man, which is what God created men to be. I'm not trying to get on soapbox, but I think I'll just say it while I'm up here. Amen. God has created men to be a man, to be a burly old rough-edged man. That's the way God made us, and, and we're, we're just chastised by the society for trying to be a man. And the women, and the girls here coming up in this generation, they're taught, you just do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. And ain't nobody going to tell you not to. And you don't have to, listen, don't worry about learning how to cook, take care of a home. You just take care of looking pretty, and you don't worry about nothing else. This is what girls are taught in this generation. And, and do whatever you want to with as many people as you want to. And then when you get done doing that, then you can find your husband. That's what this world teaches. And I can tell you right now, there ain't a man alive that wants a woman who's done all that. And so we're going to end up with a lot of people who, who, who are just, they've run themselves through the mill and don't know why they want them. It's a sad, sad thing when people do things opposite of the way God tells us to do it. It never works. When we do things God's way, there's success. But when we do things opposite, there's failure. And there's, there's dramatic failure. Uh, you know, again, in this day we live in, boys are not raised to be gentlemen. And girls are not raised to be ladies. Both are raised to be selfish and self-centered. And marriage requires selflessness. It requires you saying, I, you matter more than I do. And I'm going to give you more than I give myself. That's the way marriage has to be. 
for it to succeed. And again, if people are selfish and self-centered, they can't live like that, and it won't work. You have to be you have to be giving of yourself. God's declaration of good and the giving of His favor depend on culture or social environment. We, you know. Forget what culture says. Forget what kind of world we live in. God's word's right. It doesn't change just because this world changed. Again, God's saying, God's saying this is good and this is right. You think, well, they don't work in the same time. Yes, it does. It just don't get tried in the same time. It works fine. It just don't get tried. This preacher, Bruce Walkie, he said, as with the first man, the creator gives each fractured male with whom he is pleased, one wife to complete the abundant life he intended. One fractured male. <laughs> Amen. That's all any of us are on our best day. Amen. He gives us a fractured woman to a fractured man, and together we, we try to let God put the pieces together. Amen. And build something. <clears throat> but uh, the wording of this verse, though, it, it, it really resembles... Proverbs 8.35. Here's what 8.35 says. It says, For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. That's talking about wisdom. So wisdom says, Whoever finds me finds life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Well, again, it says, Whoso findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. So it seems to me it's suggesting that the next step a man needs to do after getting some wisdom is to get a good understanding wife to go along with it and the two of you together, again, walk in the life that God gives you and serve him together. Verse 23, we're almost done. We'll get we'll quick. We'll be done in five minutes. Let's try. Verse 23, the poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. Poor useth entreaties. Again, it's terrible to say when somebody loses everything they have, but it happens. It happens when people's houses burn up. It happens tornado comes through. People get to find themselves in a hurry, in a bad situation. And, and maybe they ain't got nothing, they ain't waiting on the insurance to pay, and they or maybe they didn't have any insurance. Maybe they lost everything they had. But you find yourself in a situation where you never thought you'd have to beg, and now you got to beg, please help me. And, uh, again, the poor use of entreaties, that's what that means. It means regardless of what put them in that position, they ain't got any money, and they ain't got any influence. And at that point, all they can do is beg. And, that's a, again, it's a sad situation to get into but you and I don't ever know. We might wind up in that situation ourselves someday. We have no idea what the future holds. And so these people come submissively in a low voice, humble, and broken. I'm sorry. I hate to ask you, but could you spare a dollar? I'm, 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 I'm hungry. I haven't had anything to eat today. I'm starving. Again, nobody wants to be in that position. I guarantee you there ain't, ain't a beggar on the street that wanted to be a beggar. But that's the position they wound up in. And you know what? That's the position we're in before God. You and I. That's the same position we're in because we ought to come. The Bible talks about with supplication. In everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What is supplication? It's begging. God wants us to beg. God wants us to plead with him. God wants us to let him know how serious we are about what we need. 
Listen, that's not a bad thing. And somebody might, somebody that didn't know God very well might say back to well, that's all for me to God to make you beg. Let me tell you something. God wants to hear us be real with him. God doesn't want us to flippantly wrap these on butler, go get this from me. God wants us to come to him like a child to a father and say, Father, I need this. That's begging. There's nothing wrong with that. We ought to come before God begging. We ought to acknowledge that our only hope is in him. It ain't anywhere else. We can't turn to, we ain't guaranteed nothing in this world. Yeah, you gotta work hard in this world and you hope you make enough to survive. But our hope is not in this world because everything we have to be taken away in an instant. Our hope is on is in God and Him alone. He has our supply of everything that we need. And and we don't have the price in our hand to get it. Amen. He's the source and we don't have a price to get it. We just have to go to him and say, Father, I need it, and he'll give it. Jesus, thankfully, Jesus paid the price for us. He paid the way for us. And so we ought to be very thankful and very grateful to receive whatever we get of the Lord. Amen. Because he has paid the way. Amen. Jesus paid it all. Not just my salvation, but he paid. Listen, he made the way for me to come to God. I'm wherever I am. I ask him his name. Am I right? Amen. I don't care if it's Wednesday night. That's good. Amen. You ought to say amen on that one. Praise God. Jesus has made the way for us, and praise God. So the rich answers roughly. That's under half of that. Poor beg, but the rich answer roughly. Rich man or rich woman, they, they speak bold and cocky or rudely. Why? Because they got all the money they need. They got all the influence and the power they need, and they look down on somebody who ain't got enough. Some of them do. And Solomon, he's describing the world as it is here, not as the world should be, but as it is. And we get the sense in this proverb, it's appealing to us to make a better world than what's in this, described in this verse. Answers roughly, it means he speaks proudly or scornfully, either to the poor or to the others that, that are talking to him or and being puffed up with conceit because he's got a lot of money or he can take care of everything. He don't need anybody else. I'm talking. I, I'm reading this. I'm thinking about somebody in particular that I grew up under, who had a lot of money and talked about sitting there like that, and it wasn't very much fun. But you know, that's that's what happens when somebody feels like they've got more than everybody else, and they look down on other people. But that that again, that's what happens. Um, you know, the big shot man of the world. Now, you get them in their own little circle, and they're all about being nice, and they're all about being refined and, and everything with all their friends of equal worth. But they're often incredibly rude to somebody who maybe parks their car or picks up the plate off the table or maybe gets their bag. You know, that's one thing I say this. That's one thing I say about old Trump. That fellow right there go out of his way to shake somebody's hand who's just helping out. And, and, you know, again, that's one good quality I see in him. I can't say I see all of them good, but that's one good quality I see in him. But oftentimes people just look down on other people as the little people. And uh, that's not the case. Amen. The ground's, the ground's level at the foot of the crowd. There ain't no better people. Amen. All of us just dirt and moisture held together by God's grace, and that's it. But, you know, I think about the way Jesus dealt with things. You know, I think about Jesus when he, 
when he came out of Jericho, what, blind Bartimaeus hollering from the side of the road? Everybody said, oh, leave him alone. Hey, hey, Master Dave, got caught up for you. Come on, get out here. Jesus stopped the whole parade. He said, hold on a minute. Bring him up here. Bring him to me. And Jesus healed Bartimaeus. Amen? I, I see the same kind of compassion to him, blind Bartimaeus, as in John chapter 4, when there was a mobile one of that sick child who came to him. Jesus said, just go on home and be all right. He'll be healed. Jesus had the same level of compassion with a nobleman. We have to always remember not to look at a person's outside and judge them. Amen. We ought to be careful uh, and show tenderness and compassion to all classes of people. Doesn't matter where they're at in life. Doesn't matter what they're going through. <clears throat> Lastly, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. And this is just a simple principle that's ignored a lot. But if you want friends, you've got to learn to be friendly to other people. You know, some people go, who might like me? Well, you're not a likable person, probably. That might be your problem. Maybe you're a jerk to everybody, and that's why nobody wants to be your friend. I said this the other morning. You know, kids are a good barometer. If kids don't like coming around you, it's probably something wrong with you. Because kids are generally except anybody. <laughs> and I know that doesn't look for that line up with you, buddy. I know, I know, I understand. Sometimes it's just sometimes it's just a little weird with some of them, but but I said generally. I didn't say I always. <laughs> but uh she'll warm up to you eventually. <laughs> That's just my kid. Don't, don't take don't take my kid as the general rule. But uh, but no, if you want friends, you need to be friendly. You don't want to be overly friendly because then you'll freak people out. But you, but you you just want to be nice to people. You want to give people consideration and treat people with courtesy and uh, and and love. You know, that's just the way God would have us to be because we're reflecting His nature. We're reflecting His character when we're that way. And the, and the second half of that verse says, there is a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. I read two or three people saying, there's no way this is referring to Jesus. And I don't know if it's referring to Jesus or not. I don't know if they know that either. But I can tell you this, there is a friend that's sticking closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. Amen. Whether whether Solomon was referring to him or not, which I have no idea, I know this. Jesus is a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. And, you know, even when a man has friends, you know, Human friendship sometimes will disappoint you. Even your best friends sometimes they won't be there when you need somebody. Flesh and blood friends in this world are important and they're a blessing, but, but we need the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We need the Lord Jesus himself. And, and you know, he, he in John 15, verse 14 and 15, he told us, he said, we're no longer servants, friends. Listen to what it says. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you my friends, for all things I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Again, you may have plan, you may have somebody working for you, and, and you may have all kinds of plans that you ain't gonna tell them right now, because they just work for you. But when you got a friend, y'all sit around and talk about all kinds of things you want to do and just all just sharing all kinds of things. That's the way the Lord's telling you. Hey, hey, I'm not just bossing you around. 
I'm going to tell you all I'm going to do, and we're going to do this together. Amen? When you Listen, when you reach out to that friend or that neighbor or whoever it is you're trying to reach out to for the Lord, you're not doing that by yourself. Amen? The Bible says they went, they went forth and worked everywhere, the Lord working with them. You take a job at a lot of places, but the boss man ain't going to work with you. But when you go to work for the Lord, he goes to work with you. Amen? Let's stand together. Let me read you this as we're doing that. Spurgeon said this. He said, now I have a question to ask. That question I ask of every man and every woman in this place and of every child too, is Jesus Christ your friend? Have you a friend at court, at heaven's court? Is the judge of the quick and the dead your friend? Can you say that you love him? And has he ever revealed himself in the way of love to you? Is Christ your friend? That's really all that matters. Is Jesus your friend? Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to take care of us and bless us and carry us through the rest of this week. And look forward to Sunday. Amen. And let's have a good Lord's Day. Let's try to let's try to encourage people to be here. If you have a chance, you talk to anybody else, encourage them to be here. And let's have a good day in the Lord's Sunday. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Richard, dismiss us in prayer.